scripture reading today from the Gospel of John, and in honor of that gospel, I'm going to ask us to stand. So, sorry. As friends, we love one another, right? (laughs) From the 15th chapter of John, verses 12 through 17, hear the word of the Lord. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now you can be seated. If we think back on the creation story, think for a moment and try to recall what the first thing God said was not good was. God saw Adam's loneliness and he saw that it was not good and he created a companion for him that he would not be alone. We are designed for relationship, not sin, but solitude was our first need that God identified. He created us in his image and likeness, and so he created us, just like him, in in need for relationship, though he existed eternally. In the mystery of the Trinity, one God with a threefold persona existing forever in the unity of love, he saw that love for one another is essential. Adam needed a friend, a companion. And for everyone in this room who is married, I hope you are friends with your spouse. I hope... For everyone in this room, you have a friend as well, not only as husbands and wives, but as brothers and sisters, we need people in our life who can help dispel a loneliness that can be extremely deep and dark if you are solo. The design from the time of creation is a design that still lives in us today. Kathy talked about the importance of relationship, about how when she was sick, they went to their Sunday school class for prayer. It's not ironic that studies have shown that those who are healing in hospitals heal quicker and faster and better with prayer than without. Confirmation, Route 345, youth, small groups, life groups, Wednesday night around the table, all of these are opportunities for us to build friendships 
And that's extremely important for us as the church because we are teaching the world what it means to love one another. It isn't ironic that Jesus, in speaking these words from John to his disciples, um, that he pointed out that how they are internally with one another will speak volumes to how they are externally with everyone else. He knew that conflict would exist among them, that there were perhaps disciples that didn't like each other. And he knew that among the human race that we would also encounter those issues. But he reminds us, love one another as I have loved you. Genesis 4 reminds us that we are our brother's keeper. God intended for people to live together, laugh together, and love together. And the church itself is built around these concepts of relationship, love, companionship, kinship, friendship. As is stated in the 18th chapter of Matthew, for where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Friendship is a pillar of the church community. David Haggad pointed out to us last week that Jesus had a way of, of coming to people and telling them they matter. He asked the possessed man his name, and that was his way of letting him know he cared. We have opportunities around us in everything that we do to show people that we care, and it can start with the simple question as, tell me your name. In Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12, we hear that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. If they fall, one will lift up the other, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. If two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Paul and Barnabas taught us about this threefold cord with God as one of the strands. Scripture tells us that when Paul had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him because they didn't believe him to be a disciple. But Barnabas took Paul and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road Paul had seen the Lord, who spoke to him and how at Damascus he preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And Paul stood up for Barnabas in a way no one else would. You see, a friend will not only fight for you, a friend will fight with you, standing beside you. We often encounter spiritual warfare. We don't call it that necessarily, but we often encounter spiritual warfare. When life gets overwhelming or we start to have our values and our, um, our priorities questioned about where things fall, We need friends who will stand in the gap with us for the sake of our marriage, our family, our finances, our health, our education. Jesus knew this. When he sent out the disciples, he sent them out two by two. Now, he could have sent out disciples to 12 different areas. 
to more. But he sent them two by two because he knew they needed someone to walk with them. He knew that there was power in friendship. I think of the, another story from the Bible about a crippled man who had four friends who lifted him up to carry him to where Jesus was. This man couldn't carry himself, but his friends were willing. When they got to the house where Jesus was, it was so filled with people who could get to Jesus on their own, they, they couldn't stop there. They said, this man has to see him. So they went to the roof and they, they worked away through the roof to get their friend to Jesus. Jesus saw their faith and he healed this man and forgave his sins. And none of this would have happened had it not been for powerful friendships with these four men who said, we aren't going to leave you where you are. We know the one who can help you. As we think about the power of friendship today, think about the people who call you friend. If they were the crippled man in Matthew 9 and you were one of the four friends, Would that friend make it to Jesus? Would our faith be sufficient to see the man healed? We live in a world where the concept of a friend is a little bit different. I'm on Facebook. Many of you are on Facebook. I can... Say I have friends with thousands of friends on their Facebook page. I think I have over 900 on mine. I don't say that to brag. I say that to say I have people who follow me. I don't have 972 friends. I have friends who walk with me through life. I receive encouragement from those on Facebook. And don't get me wrong, I love I love the interactions that I have there, but what do we really mean by a friend? How many of you have heard of the Quakers? That's not actually what their church is called. They're actually called the Society of Friends. And they named themselves that because Jesus cited many times, time and time again, how friendship was an essential component of a congregation. History has shown us examples of the power of friendships and allies over the years. One of the most powerful happened not far from here. South of us um, is what is now a, a national park site, but it was the grounds of the Andersonville Civil War Prison, where over 40,000 men were held prisoner in a very, it looks like a vast area, but to think that 40,000 men were packed in there in horrible conditions, death all around. Historically, we look back on the significance of events that happened there, and one of the glaring statistics that comes out is that those who were captured solo were most likely to die. The survivors of Andersonville were ones who were captured in a unit, in a brotherhood. They stood together, they lifted one another up, and they saw to one another's needs. It's not just 
great to have a friend. It's essential to have a friend in life. Cinema often picks up these themes of our basic human needs, and one of the most classic examples of this in film is George Bailey. Every Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life comes on at my house and sometimes throughout the year, and I am reminded that no man is a failure. No man is poor who has friends. One of my uh, favorite theologians, Forrest Gump, also reminds us of the value of friendship. Um, In a conversation between, between he and his friend Bubba, we hear Bubba say, I'm going to lean up against you. You just lean right back against me. This way we don't have to sleep with our heads in the mud. You know why we make a good partnership, Forrest? Because we're watching out for one another, like brothers and stuff. Hey, Forrest, there's something I've been thinking about. I've got an important question to ask you. How'd you like to go in the shrimp business with me? Forrest says, okay because he's his friend, and he's going to go along with it. And Bubba says, man, I tell you what, I got it all figured out. So many pounds of shrimp to pay off the boat, so many pounds for gas, we can just live right on the boat. We got no rent. I'll be the captain, we can work it together, split it down the middle, and I'm telling you, you'll get all the shrimp you want. Forrest thought that was a fine idea. Later, Forrest was reminiscing about Bubba, and he said, Bubba was my best good friend, and even I know that ain't something you can find just around the corner. He acknowledges Bubba's death, but he doesn't end there. Forrest teaches us about friendship in that he went on to take care of Bubba's family as if Bubba were still here with him. And I know that's just a story, but it's a good story of how we can recognize true friends. So should you wonder how you recognize a true friend, let's go over a list. This is a little, it's going to start off sounding like Jeff Foxworthy, it's really not. You know you have a true friend if he or she comes over to your house, opens your refrigerator, and helps themselves. You know that if that friend feels the freedom to fight with you while retaining the full confidence that the fight will not in the least bit harm your relationship, that's a true friend. When he or she knows all about you and loves you anyway. If he or she comes to your party early to help you cook and stays late to help you clean, I call that a good friend. If he or she feels so comfortable with you that they will wake you up in the middle of the night when they are stranded on the side of the road and know that they can count on you. They know your mother's birthday. If you're in school, they know your locker combination. And ladies, they know what we look like with our hair down and our makeup off. A friend will uh, insist on being by your bedside when you're in the hospital and it's a Saturday afternoon and it's beautiful and they could be doing lots of wonderful things. A friend is someone who believes in you when you have forgotten how to believe in yourself. Who will work hard to fit you into their schedule and even schedule 
their to-do list around you. Friendship is powerful. When people come to church, they stay because they have found a friend. It's when people don't make connections that they fail to return. Perhaps one of my um, absolute top top lessons in friendship came from Winnie the Pooh. And on Promotion Sunday, I think it's appropriate to have a little Winnie the Pooh. So hear this story about Pooh, Piglet, and Eeyore. It occurred to Pooh and Piglet that they hadn't heard from Eeyore for several days, so they put on their hats and coats and trotted across the hundred-acre woods to Eeyore's stick house. Inside the house was Eeyore. Hello, Eeyore, said Pooh. Hello, Pooh. Hello, Piglet, said Eeyore. We just thought we'd check in on you, said Piglet, because we hadn't heard from you, so we needed to know if you're okay. Eeyore was silent for a moment and eventually said, Am I okay? Well, I don't know, to be honest. Are any of us really okay? That's what I asked myself. All I can tell you, Pooh and Piglet, is that right now I feel rather sad and alone and not much fun to be around at all, which is why I haven't bothered you, because you wouldn't want to waste your time hanging out with someone who is sad and alone and not much fun to be around at all. Pooh looked at Piglet and Piglet looked at Pooh and they both sat down, one on either side of Eeyore. Eeyore looked at them in surprise and said, what are you doing? We're sitting here with you, said Pooh, because we are your friends. And true friends don't care if someone is sad or alone or not much fun to be around at all. True friends are there for you anyway. So here we are. Oh, said Eeyore. Oh. The three of them sat there in silence, and while Pooh and Piglet said nothing at all, somehow, almost imperceptibly, Eeyore began to feel a very tiny little bit better. All because Pooh and Piglet were there. No more. No less. Jesus is our friend. And it doesn't matter if we are sad or happy. Alone or the most popular person on the face of the earth. Whether we're not much fun to be around at all or whether we're the life of the party. He loves us. He wants us to be his friend. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I've heard it said that a friend is someone who walks in 
when the world walks out. Jesus isn't going to walk out. He isn't going to leave us or forsake us. Henceforth, I will not call you servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends, for all the things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Do you know Jesus as friend? If not, there's a friend near you, there's a friend right here, waiting to tell you all about him. Amen.